Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. And uh, I I typically am known as the media member on this podcast, the host, uh, the the former reporter. Logan, the, the former NFL tight end. Of course, now though, Logan... You are a former NFL tight end and sideline reporter. Great job, buddy. It had to be fun to, to be <laughs> out there. Uh, as long as we remember, which is my job, we will talk about Logan's sideline debut later in the show, uh, but we do want to definitely start with the guys on the field. Um, I, I'll ask you this. like Walking off the sideline after the game, before we dive into the offense specifically, the defense specifically, like, how would you feel about how it went for the commanders? You know... I think uh, you have like your knee-jerk reaction. You're like, man, that could have been a little bit cleaner. But, you know, I think the real evaluation comes when you watch the tape, you know, and you kind of sit down and you start grinding it and look at everybody individually and say, oh, this is why this happened or this is why he did this. And um, I think that's always more uh, beneficial, kind of fleshes out your perspective a little bit. I'm sure for you too, like you just said, you were re-watching the game and um, like you you see things the more you watch it when you're on the sideline it's kind of like your immediate reaction you're like oh why is that guy in that spot you know why is this motion here and you don't really get a concrete answer until you go back and get to watch it a couple times so I think that's um you know like whatever my reaction was coming off the field I it's it's pointless because it doesn't mean anything until I get back and watch some more film yeah, I had a couple, I guess, initial reactions. Of course, it's always like, uh, do what, what do I want to like really focus on on film? And unfortunately right. for me, during the preseason, like film is a relative term because the All Twenty Two uh, for NFL Game Pass doesn't go live until the regular season, as far as I know. Um, so I How haven't been able to that, watch any. Way. Yeah, it sucks, but sucks. it is what it is. Um, so I I haven't had a chance to watch any All Twenty Two except for the replays that you guys showed on the broadcast, which were often narrated by you. Um, but uh, so so I guess I think whatever you you told me to watch because uh, I'm not in control of of those replays. But at the end of the day, like I think there were there were kind of two prevailing thoughts I had. One was yep. like that was all right, um, you know, nothing yep. nothing great, nothing bad, but also. Unfortunately, every time like same was on same, the Panthers won the matchup. Like when the Panthers ones were out there, they were better than the Washington ones. And those first two drives that Washington had offensively were against Carolina's ones. And then they put together a really nice scoring drive with Wentz and company, but it's against Carolina's twos. Now it's also worth mentioning that kind of thing happens in football all the time where the first two drives are kind of a feeling out process. And the third drive is where you might break through. Like that's the nature of the game. But, 
but then all of a sudden Carolina's twos come in, Washington twos come in, Carolina's got the upper hand. So it was like every time it was same on same, it's up. But I also don't want to read too much into that because we're talking about very small sample sizes within games, which really leads me to like the takeaway from that is simply that I'm very excited for next week to see more of the ones and more of the twos, not making any kind of declarative statement of the Washington Commanders versus the Carolina Panthers and what we think of each team and like some some larger context. I'm just like, I saw enough that I'm intrigued for next week, but it is, you would have liked to see more success of, you know, the Washington ones on the Carolina ones, uh, the the Washington twos on the Carolina twos, as opposed to kind of pulling ahead and, and even being dominant at times when you had simply your better players on the field. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Cause I think like with that second drive specifically, I felt like there was kind of, there was something developing there was some kind of momentum they got a conversion and I you know even the first drive like I think a lot of people are like oh look at the first drive wasn't that good but I like the process there you know I like yep. that you're taking a shot to Armani Rogers there on what is it third and five third and four whatever it was and I like that you felt comfortable enough to do that like the athletic matchup I mean he was matched up against a corner and so I think that speaks to how the staff is starting to feel about him but then the next drive, they kind of, a couple dink and dunks, completion here, completion there, and the ball, it was kind of moving in the fumble, right? And I think right. that that was, coming off the field, that was the biggest takeaway, I think, for me was, um, like, just how disappointing that was for Antonio Gibson. You know, I'm a big fan of his. I like, I like the way it works, and my conversations with him seems like a very nice guy. Um, but he he's not going to play if he continues to do that, you know? And then, right. like, well, especially even, when Robinson comes in, it's like, oh, wait, that's the other option? Yeah. Because he was awesome. And I think... And we can talk about Robinson. We'll talk about Robinson right now. Like, I think Robinson did some really nice things. And, like, you see somehow, like, on his first, like, good run, I think it was, like, eight yards, nine yards, you see how he's setting up blocks and kind of drawing linebackers to double teams. Uh, you know, it's not like he played a perfect game. You know, he missed some cuts later in the game. I think two or th- two runs that I would say he probably missed up some cuts. But I think you see the potential there of having someone and, you know, why that kind of nebulous term of vision is so important for running backs, right? Because it's not like he's crushing people as a runner. It's like his vision is very good. He's his feel. He sets up stuff very nicely, and so I think that just elevates the O line. And you know, and I had conversations with the O line throughout the week at various guys, and they were like, "Man, like it's so fun to block for him, and he's going to be special." And that group understands like how important those angles are for for them. And so, uh, yeah, right. I, I agree. I think I think if um, I think if 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 Gibson continues to struggle, like. Robinson will get like we've talked about I think he's going to get a lot of touches this year regardless but I think that number could shift pretty drastically if AG struggles and now this is one game it's one game it's one carry so that's important to keep in mind also right but at the same time it is kind of the similar conversation we've been having with Wentz um, which is like if he's doing something poorly that is new to us as Washington people but is similar to what he's done in the past is it really new and so right. for some of the footwork stuff and whatever with Wentz, it's like, oh, no, this is a continuation. And for Gibson, obviously, it's in the same uniform. Well, I guess different yeah. uniforms, but you get you for the same organization. Uh, by the way, right. the uniforms, getting to see them for real in the fir- for the first time. Those things are sick. They're good job. Yeah, I thought they were good pretty job. good, too. 
Good job. Like the ombre on the number. Good stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, the point is that Gibson has had fumble issues. He's got to be able to hold on to the ball. And if not, then they're, they're not going to use him because you, you can't. Yeah. Like, trust is the most important thing. Um, as far as the vision stuff with Robinson, I think the easiest way for, like, the average fan watching to understand vision is how easy does it look to get four yards. When it's just like all right. of a sudden it seems like you just get, the, oh, oh, he got four yards at second and six, and it, and it looked really easy. It's because the back set up the blocks really, really well. And like most plays are designed to get four, then you make someone miss, and that's how you get a big one because you can't block right. everybody based off numbers. But you can you can easily get up to the second level. Um, and so that's the kind of thing that, you know, I, I think just time after time after time, it just seems like the line is four yards down the field, that there is a crease for him to get up in. And even if he doesn't pop out the other side, like you're moving the ball forward in, in the chunks that you need to. And Robinson has that really, really easily, really, really well. And I think you saw it. Um, and it's funny, too, because I feel like he was presented as like this big, giant, you know, bowling ball kind of back. Like he's big, but he's tall and he's like he's I don't want to say well, lean, yeah. but like he's he's a different body type than I think some people described him as coming out of college like this you know just bowl you over power back like he's got some shiftiness to him he's got some quickness to him like he's a, a great really feed. really yeah. good back yeah yeah he's an excellent back and he had a nice catch on the screen i think you kind of saw like what we've seen throughout training camp is you've seen excellent vision you've seen great contact balance on the days where they are attack or where, where they're going thud you see great contact balance that was on display um you know and like i said he missed two cuts i thought i was like you know like where he kind of he he put himself in a bad position and missed it. But I say on the whole, like he gets a very, you know, maybe B, B plus kind of grade from me. And I think he's one of the highlights coming out, right? You know, I got to interview Ron going into the locker room at halftime. And he was just like, you know, first thing he said to me is like turnovers. We got to be better with the turnovers. And like, that's obviously very pressing on his mind. But he's like, I've been, I really like the, the, the young back. And I really like the young tight ends. They they all they all did an excellent job. So I think both those, uh, you know, Brian obviously I think impressed even in the coach's mind. And you know, some of that stuff is hard to hard for coaches to kind of understand on the sideline because you know uh, yeah. they they don't see the miscut, they don't see the whatever. Right. But I think on the whole, at best you feel they can look at the pictures. Them. But that's that's all they got. It's still shots right. even on the iPads. At least I I think it's still. I think they might be changing that soon. But I think it's I still hope they just just. I think it's still just still shots that they're allowed to, to draw and on the on the uh, the surface tablets. Sorry, Microsoft, Correct, yeah. you pay a lot of money uh, to, for me to call it an iPad. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, I think I think that's good. And you know, like back to the offense as a whole, like that. Then you then you come out, and I think the I think it's the is the first down, third down, whatever it was, the completion of Terry McLaurin. I think shows yeah, you. Yeah, it, it was a drive start like, on that third drive. Yeah, left hash. You know, Carson Wentz throws a freaking laser beam, you know, to the to the far side of the field, and I think that to me kind of shows you why you paid you paid that money to get him in here, quite frankly, because that throw yeah. or any iteration of that throw is like not on the table, right, in, in any way, shape, or form. And he made it look easy. And again, this is another important thing to note: is the offensive line did an outstanding job giving him clean pockets. Like we've talked about the O line quite quite a bit. And like how when the, when there's pressure, Carson struggles because his mechanics go down. Like he had beautiful pockets, beautiful places to step up, kind of work his footwork and make sure everything was good. So kudos to that group. I thought they did a really nice job. Norwell did a nice job in the run game, uh, and in, in pass for everyone did a, everyone did a really nice job with that first group. Um, 
And so I think that's important to note. Like that, just the ability for him to push the ball like that was great to see. Um, and uh, and like I think it speaks to kind of where this offense could be going. I also thought Scott Turner did some nice stuff. Had some nice wrinkles in to kind of put guys in a good spot. Um, just from like a motion pre-snap alignment standpoint, which is which is great to see that they're kind of thinking about the game that way and they're putting themselves in good good situations. Yeah, definitely. I, I liked the game overall from Turner. Um, from what I could tell, um, I I will here here were my notes on Wentz. I thought he was really solid. I thought the way he moved in the pocket was excellent. Like he manipulated the pocket a couple of times to buy himself time to to move around the rush, get just enough, and keep, but he kept his base. It wasn't like you know because I think sometimes that's the frustration with Carson is he is so talented from a true arm strength standpoint that he can flick a ball and can get it there. Sometimes that he gets I don't want to say it's lazy because that that implies like there's a lack of care, but he he gets. Uh, he gets off with his his uh, attempts to throw off platform or whatever. Sure. And instead, he just kept his base, moved around in the pocket, manipulated the space that was available, and then was able to deliver ball after ball. Um, the two deep balls, I think, are like he gave his guys chances. They need to be farther outside the way I saw them. Um, and one maybe to you, Terry, it was one to Terry, and then the one, one to Terry, two. and then the one to Rogers on on the first third down. Like there's space yeah. to the sideline. And if he throws that high and away to the sideline, maybe Rodgers comes down with it and the defender's not even in the equation. But he gave his guy a chance. Yeah. Like I'm, it's a kind of throw that, one, it's a really hard throw, so you're never going to kill a guy for that doesn't like put a perfect ball on a really hard throw. But if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna take notes on it, like you like that ball a little higher and outside. Same thing with Terry. There's Terry did a really good job of kind of holding the space, and there's a plenty of room to the sideline. You'd like to see him throw that ball where the defender can't get over and, and be involved, and it's kind of Terry or nobody type of territory. But like again, he gave Terry a chance. I think the one he, the chance he gave Rodgers is a much better chance than the chance he gave Terry. But like, it's not a bad ball. It's not horrendous. And and by the way, more importantly, like like I think you've said a couple of times, like I like the process. I like the decision. And and yeah. you know, you take those shots and you live with the result. And that's the kind of thing we've been talking about with Wentz it, compared to someone like Heineke last year. Like Heineke doesn't give you that shot. Um, not at least at the percentage that Wentz does. And so the ability to, to really threaten downfield and be like, hey, if your defender's not there, like we got easy, we got easy buckets. Like that's, that is a, a threat that changes defenses. That and the willingness to take it is something that has an effect that, that matters for your offense. So yeah, would you like to see those completed? Sure. Is that, you know, what I just said in terms of getting them higher to the outside, which he clearly has the arm strength to do, how you'd complete them? Yes. But I don't want that to overshadow the immense amount of good he did from on time, on target balls, the way he moved in the pocket, the decisions, the general command of the offense, um, and and including by the way handling some pressure uh, at, at times when the offensive line didn't hold up in specific instances, and then making throws around that, and that, that gets back to that that pocket manipulation that he had, um, which included some patience at times. Like the first third down conversion they had, Rogers fell down. And Wentz had a little yeah, bit of pressure, and he stuck with it and, and made the throw. Like that's that's big time NFL quarterbacking, and, and you saw it from Carson yesterday. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Like uh, you were talking about the throw to Armani and the throw to Terry. It's almost like this throw should have been switched. Like I remember thinking in the game, and then when I watched it, that uh, the throw to Armani probably should be a back shoulder throw. You know, as opposed yep. to kind of up and outside because um, like you've got a size mismatch and Armani had a step but I feel like you feel more comfortable there if you just put it kind of back and let him kind of open his hip and catch the ball there um, instead of trying to beat it over the top and then that was kind of yep. the ball he gave to Terry 
And then Terry's throw, I think maybe that was in his mind a little bit. And then the one to Terry, I thought Terry, I, I disagree a little bit. I think Terry could have held the space a little bit better, but he did leave that like a back shoulder throw. And I think like that's one that's got to be maybe a little bit more over the top. The safety was coming or whatever, but again, I, I, I agree with your, your analysis generally that like they, it's they good both that need to be shots. closer to the sideline. Um, and yeah. you know, and, and I think it's easier to see by the way on tape than the TV copy sometimes. So you, I will, I will oh, defer yeah. to your judgment there because you have a, a better angle of it, but. They need to be close to the sideline, but again, the process was good. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the the one throw that kind of like irritated me was the throw to Curtis Hodges, um, and not because he got Curtis Hodges like smoked, was because like that concept you got like a shallow cross or a drag route or whatever you want to call it coming across at five yards, which is the tight end, and you've got like a uh, what I what I call like a an over. Like coming in mm-hmm. behind it, like a climb route or like a deep cross in Kyle's Yeah, basically offense. you start you start as an outside receiver, slot receiver, and and you kind of gradually climb vertically as you go across the field. So it's Correct. I think I've heard it called a sail route before too, like over route. Um, you know, so I've, I've heard, I've heard it different things. Yeah, but you're yeah, you're kind of yeah, making a, a big arc as you as you go across the field. Right, and it kind of yeah, and so you're coming across the field, and the the idea is you're high lowing that um, in this case like the will linebacker, and so you want the will to either drop underneath the uh, the high cross or come down and attack the uh, the drag, and the linebacker was attacking the drag, and so the throw for the high cross, which I think was Terry, was beautiful. It was like right there, and it's and the thing about that concept, which is really nice, is it's right in the quarterback's vision, so I can see the cross to the linebacker to the high cross, you know what I'm saying? And then I can just right. make the throw just by adjusting my uh, how I'm driving off my front foot. And he threw it to the tight end, tight end got smoked, but there was a huge void there. So I think that's something that, again, like in a game where he played pretty well, it's hard to find things to kind of be critical of, and that's one thing that I would say, oh, you know, I, I'm sure he would like to have that one back. Yeah, and that's the thing about watching tape, that, and this is where I can't give analysis and, and you can based purely on the access to the tape that we have at this point of the season but like you know I, there were games I used to watch Kirk and be like oh that was a pretty good game from Kirk and you go back and you be yeah. like Jesus Christ man you left you left 200 yards on the field you left three touchdowns on right. the field like easy stuff um, that, that your read should have taken you here um, and the more you do it, the more you realize that's kind of every game very rarely yeah. does a quarterback collect everything that's out there sure. but that was something I wanted to ask you was like having had the chance to watch it back. Like how, like Dick, how was Carson's decision-making? Because just cause you have like go 10 of 13 and you know, two of your incompletions are good decisions, et cetera. doesn't mean that you made the right decisions. It seems like though, based off everything you've said that, that you're pretty happy overall with how he processed the offense. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, there was a couple of those where I felt like he was getting a little check down happy in the beginning of the game. You know, like talking about reactions coming off the sideline, like a little check down happy. Then you watch, you're like, I kind of see what's going on here. And sometimes I think like those concepts where you're trying to take shots could be engineered a little bit better to kind of encourage the shot, you know, encourage what you're trying to get out of it. Maybe you you run a crosser to kind of pull this linebacker out of this window or whatever. But I, I thought for the most part he did a good job. And then, like, um, you know, the throw to McKissick, like those are easy reads. Those are easy throws. The throw to Curtis Samuels, an easy read. Like it's kind of like yes or no, and it's yes, and so you make that throw. So those aren't – I think those were kind of um, – like, again, like there's no – not a lot of reading going on with those, for example. And the rest of his throws were, were pretty much checkdowns, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't like uh, a super challenging uh, outing, but I think that that's okay. 
Like I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm okay with Scott Turner finding ways to get the ball out of his hand quickly and effectively to good playmakers, and uh, you know, what with well designed offensive structure. And then I'm glad that he's checking the ball down because it keeps you on schedule, right? You know, and I'm also right. glad that Scott Turner. Um, was calling pass plays on first and first down, like you know the first yes. the first play of the game was a run, and then yes. after that it was there was some pass plays involved, which I like. You know, it's kind of like let him find his rhythm and let's do it on first down, and so I think that that was um, that was good. You know, I think just generally minus the turnovers for the offense, I think you feel pretty solid. Like I was again, I was very impressed with the offensive line. Thought the receivers were a touch quiet, but you know, like that happens in preseason sometimes, and. Um, I think I think it was a good first step, and I think it shows a nice progression from where they were three weeks ago in training camp, where they were having trouble completing a ball. So it's 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 all good things, and um, hopefully, what you want to see is is growth and progression with this group of playmakers. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's get to some of the rest of the offense, uh, and, and really, I, what I mean by that is like the second, third team guys. Um, sure. the interception from Taylor, I don't really put that on him because I think he got hit. Um, I liked, yeah. you know, he's, tr- he's taking a chance there. Um, you know, not taking a chance. Like he's, he's, he's trying to get a first down on a third and long and it sucks cause you're in field goal range and that's the kind of situational turnover. That's real bad. And I'm sure Ron was hurt, yeah. but at the end of the day, like what's he supposed to do? He got hit the ball sails on him because he got hit. Um, but, uh, you know, overall I think Taylor was like Taylor and, and he reminded you why you're happy to have him as a backup and why you're happy. He's not your starter. Um, right. he throws the one hospital ball over the middle to Diami. That's, that's not ideal. Um, has a, a bunch of other like good plays, just solid quarterbacking, some, some solid runs. Um, to me, Taylor was Taylor. I don't know how much there is really to talk about with him other than like he was what he, what he always is. Yeah. I felt like he looked, he looked kind of like, again, he looked like himself. He looked a little unsettled. Like, I think the thing that's really frustrating about his outing is that miss to Dax on the sideline off the keeper. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The keeper, the naked action. Like, that was a yep. bad miss, you know, and that's a big play. And um, that's, again, like, kind of who he is, you know? Like, he, he made some stuff with his legs, which is great. The uh, the pass to Diami, I think I like that he's taking that shot. You know, I think that's more on the guy who's running the clear route, and I, I don't know how they're coaching that, so I can't comment exactly, but I'd like the guy, uh, Cam, Cam Sims in this case, to run right through the post safety as opposed to like running across the field. Because the second you run across the field, you let that post safety pass it off, and you can attack that uh, that downhill pretty aggressively. So, um, But I like that he's taking the shot with that. you know. And um, But I think the Dax Milton miss was, was rough, and he had a couple of those. Just kind of like again, like he was who he was. He he is who we thought he was, kind of thing. And uh, and um, you know, you, again, like he's a guy that I like a lot. So I want to see him make more plays. And when you have a layup like that, throw to Dax on the sideline, like let's yeah. make those layups. You know, let's make those completions. And um, but yeah, again, early in the preseason for him, didn't get a lot of opportunity. And um, you know, I think they, I think he's very well established as the two. I don't think there's any talk about you know Sam Howell taking over that spot at all. Like he's going to be the two well, of the season, then. Well, I mean, there should like what I'm saying is there, there should be, be, but let's there talk about be. how because this this is probably the yeah. part of the podcast that's everyone's going to be searching through. Like I should put a note in the the episode description. We'll talk about how at the 22 minute mark you can fast forward there to the part that you all want to hear because he's a rookie. We know how this this goes. I expect fully on my radio show later today to have lots of Sam Howell talk, lots of Sam Howell calls. Um, I thought he looked really good. Like I, I thought he looked like again. It's you're playing against threes and fours. Um, you're playing with threes and fours, but 
he looked composed. He looked like it didn't look too big for him. The arm strength pops on television, like in a way that I didn't even notice it in practice. Like it's almost because I'm used to watching games on TV at this point after a couple years of pandemic football. Um, and like it's, it's, it's the same comparison, uh, you know, speed wise to especially coming right after Heineke's out there. And like that ball, he, I mean, he can really drive it. And I thought his decision making was was pretty good. Obviously, shows you a little bit with the legs, the the touchdown. Like I thought, Hal had a really good day, and it's the kind of thing where I come out of it not going like, "Oh my God, why is he competing for Heineke's job?" Nevertheless, Wentz's like, if you're doing that, you're you're way out over your skis. But it right. is the kind of thing where I'm like, maybe this fifth round pick has something to him, and like, maybe you know, maybe he's a, a future starter. Um, you know, it, it based off of. Of one game, sure, but it's not the kind of thing where sometimes you watch the one game and you go, "Oh my god, that guy can't play at all." Like he's he's got something right. to him there uh, from a composure, so, from moxie, from arm strength, from everything standpoint. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he deserves you know all of his flowers today. You know, two days after the game, but I do think it's important for fans to understand. Like, if you look at the way he was operating in like the deep. I'm going to say the deep third of the field to the right side. He threw probably, I want to say four, maybe five balls to that side that probably should have been picked off. You know, like he left two deep, deep throws like inside that against good corners get picked off. Right. It was kind of, those are like college throws. You know what I mean? That, that weren't quite there. Um, he got a little antsy in the pocket at times and missed some re- you know what I mean? Like he did young quarterback stuff. So like for all those people who say, Oh, like he should be the two or he should start like he, like he did a great job. He did a really, really nice job, but he still has a lot of growing to do to be someone who's playing, competent quarterback in the NFL like like you mentioned like the level of competition he's going against is significant right because like those mistakes that he made with the football like those are those are college mistakes and he just came from college so totally understandable but if he makes those against the varsity or the ones like they're interceptions you know they're they're turnovers and right now we're talking about him having this really nice sheet and this really good day but like he could have easily had three turnovers easily easily three turnovers so again I think he did a really nice job. He read the middle of the field very nicely. He threw like the two excellent digs, working through his progression. The two-point conversion is awesome. Kind of working uh, right to left as the offense and finds the open guy who's been dropped because there's a pick. You know, all that stuff is great. And the scramble, love that. Um, you know, the throw under pressure to Hodges, it's a little high. Love the moxie to kind of sit in the pocket. So it did a ton of good things, but I think it's important for fans to understand it. And I think you understand this, Craig, that like they're, while that was good, there's still a lot of growing for him to be even even in the conversation they'll say oh like well he's the two now or he's t-, you know what I mean like he's got a, and like and I think there is a really good chance he's the backup next year if he continues to play like this and Heine- they let Heineke walk and he's the guy but um but again that's a year away is, is kind of what I'm what I'm bringing here yeah yeah definitely all right anybody else on the offense specifically that we want to touch on before we swing things over to the defense well, I think obviously, just real quick, the young tight ends. I think both Armani yeah. and Curtis Hodges had really nice games. Uh, I think Hodges had a couple, like what what appeared to be mental mistakes or like just kind of lack of comfort kind of in the run game. But I'd say on the whole, I'd say like 90% of what he did was very, very positive. You would have liked him to score on that rub route on the end zone. But again, Carson's a little 
yep. tight with the ball, a little conservative with the ball. It's like on his backside shoulder. You like that out in front so he can fall in. But it's funny because they missed that same throw earlier in training camp, and it was too far outside. So, again, maybe they're kind of overcorrection there. Um, Armani, I thought, had an excellent game. He was very physical, um, which is something you want to see from a guy who's making the conversion and kind of looked like a varsity player, which is – yeah. Which is good to see. So he, I think both he those... did not stand out as a guy who didn't belong with with all the sure. ones that were out there. Sure, and I think um, now it becomes a really interesting conversation in terms of who's the fourth guy because you've got two guys who could obviously play football, and now can you get one of them to practice squad? Is the next question, and I don't know if the answer is yes. So, but so you know, right now it's Logan Bates Turner, and then who's the of those two who you take? Who you keeping? And uh, I think that's the million-dollar question for that position group right now. Right. Uh, by the way, Sam East in uniform played a couple of snaps of special teams. Is he like was that an injury thing? Do you think or like what's up with him not playing? Considering so, yeah, he tweaked his hamstring late in the week last week, and I think he, I would, I based he didn't practice. Uh, right. I was actually was surprised he, he was in pra- uniform, and then when he was, right. and he played a couple of snaps of special teams, but no tight end. Considering how thin they were, that they yeah. were, I was like, that's. That's odd. It's weird, right? Yeah. I think maybe they, they were like, we want to see you get some teams work. Uh, and I, he might have tried to go and then re-aggravated it. I haven't talked to him yet. I'm going to see him today probably. But again, like I, I would say because of the injury, because of how late in the week it happened, like it's probably related to the hamstring. It's probably nothing serious, but he probably was like, I need to play, knowing knowing the room environment, knowing the climate, and uh, probably aggravated it. I, I would I would assume. That's all an assumption on my part. So don't take that as Bible or anything like that. Yeah, and I'm sure that Ron will have an update uh, later today when he speaks. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. Defensive review time. Uh, obviously, that first drive, Baker Mayfield comes out and looks really sharp for Carolina. Um, it was interesting. I saw a breakdown on Twitter uh, from a, a, a group called the QB Room that talked about the deep shot that they missed and how that was actually uh, the the analyst said that's Sun Level design issue because there was no route on the backside to hold Bobby McCain who makes a great play prevents yes. a touchdown yes. on a big time throw uh, from Baker but Baker in general dices up that the the Washington offense they get a little bit bailed out by a fumbled snap on second down right, right before they're able to force the third down incompletion and ultimately the field goal but. Uh, then they're they're put in a bad spot by Gibson, so it, it was kind of a a tough day in terms of you, you get a first drive that goes against you and, and 
you don't you can't really stop a lot of stuff that you had issues with last year. There's a third down conversion on pick routes or on a pick route. There there's you know all kinds of stuff. We I think it was it. the first third down. Um, they got uh, yeah. a rub. Oh, and, yeah. and Cole, Cole hugs uh, his guy. Cam uh, doesn't really recognize that Cole's about to switch. Um, and then they get a right. they get a free runner uh, going down the right the offensive right. Um, so they get that which they they got killed with last year. Um, and then they get caught in the bad spot uh, again with the short field. Uh, with Darnold comes in there, and Darnold just makes a hell of a throw over Fuller um, for for that touchdown. But then they settle in. Um, they did a really great job uh, on their third drive, get a quick three and out, and that was kind of it for the day. Um, again, it, it, in some ways, to me, it, Logan, it's similar to the offense where it's like that's not ideal. Um, I don't think anything that sends you into a panic mode by any means, but, uh, I'm excited to see more next week. And, and clearly I think they're going to go into practice this week. That, that number one defense going, we got to be a lot better and a lot sharper and a lot more productive, uh, than we were in week one of the preseason. Yeah. I mean, I think when you watch, uh, the defensive line, uh, they looked really good. They looked really sharp. Payne and Allen did an excellent job. Uh, you know, the defensive ends, James Smith-Williams and Montez look great, you know, and I think when you look at the linebackers, I think there's a lot to be excited about what the linebackers did. Like Cole, I think he had a couple misrun fits just to my eye. I don't know. You'd have to ask coach about that specifically. And then I think Jamin. Jamin looked like a like a starting linebacker in the NFL, which is something that he didn't look like last year. So I think that's um, also very encouraging. I think uh, some of that stuff, obviously the, the miss, the miscommunication on the crossing route, that's something that is, is a very preseason type of thing that happens. You know, they run it out of a different formation. They run it with different personnel and you're just not expecting it. You know, you don't game plan, right? So like you would know going into a week that this is a route combination that happens out of this formation, this, this situation, and you can, as a result, pass it off. So I think that that, um, is something again, like, uh, Jack likes to go man on third down, which, um, I don't think it's a bad thing, but you got to be really sharp in those situations if you're going to do that, especially with pick pick routes and man beaters and team seems. Well, especially and- when it's like third and five or less, where those pick routes become a lot more effective because you do, you don't have to get rubbed off for long. Like yeah. it's not like a long developing third and seven, third and eight, third and twelve type situation. Like I think that one was on a third and four, right? And so it, it it happens very very quickly, which means the decisions have to happen a lot quicker too. No, absolutely, and I think uh, I think that shows up, and I think a lot of people like I was talking talking to Linnell, you know what I mean? And Linnell's all in a, in a rage. And this team is a quarters, palms. Linnell was in a rage? Yeah. No way. This this team is a quarters, palms, um, you know, uh, cover six type team. So lots of deep. And that's like, and that's the way defenses are going, right? And basically what they're saying is like, we think the more dangerous option here of run pass is you throwing the football. So we're going to match you in this kind of deep coverage shell and take away any big plays and, and make you matriculate the football down the field, make you convert a whole bunch of quick game, make you, you know what I mean? And and we're going to be patient and make it happen. Right. So obviously like that 16 yard gain uh, on the third down does not fit that philosophy because it's a big play. But you want to kind of make them work because you're making an assumption that they're going to fumble a snap, they're going to have an incomplete pass, mm-hmm. and they're going to put a field goal. So in a way, I don't want to say like they did a good job, but in a way they kind of embrace that philosophy of of bend but don't break type of stuff. And I think if you if you if they don't give up that 16 yard gain, I think that first drive looks drastically different i do like the bobby mccain william jackson the third thing i think that was outstanding not only for bobby mccain but i think just seeing william jackson the third and understanding that 
his help's going to be a little late, and I do have to match this. I'm on the quarter side, and, and Bobby's playing that cover two shell on the other side, right? And so for Bobby to get back right. there, great. But also, I think William Jackson the third makes that play, even if Bobby's not there. And so to see Bobby... Yeah, it would have been interesting. Like there, He he definitely contested the throw. I mean, McCain <laughs> makes it, no doubt. Um, yeah. It might have just... It might have been... A, it was either going to be a hell of a catch by the receiver or a, break, a PBU for, for William Jackson the third. And I think... He's there. And I think that is a good sign understanding where his help is understanding where his leverage is and all that stuff is stuff that was very kind of few and it's one play it's one play i'm not saying that you need to like you know change your life about this but i think it is an important thing to see in a game because he's had a great camp it's important to see that in a game and it's important to see that those windows on the deep shots are small you know what i mean small windows on the deep shots Mm -hmm. and that's what that's to me is what this defense is trying to lean into i think that's great also i thought the uh the picks uh, from the defensive line were very physical, very dynamic, and they were creating pass rush. They were creating pressure, which is some, even on quick game stuff. Which, and again, that old line was one of the worst in the league last year. But you want to see them kind of—that's what they get paid to do. There's a lot of uh, draft capital invested in that group, so it's good to see that happening as well. So I, I like that. There, there were some things to be frustrated about for sure, but I think that that first drive kind of again outside that pick play that you mentioned. Um, did what did kind of what they want to do, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then the other third down conversion that happens on that drive is against Danny Johnson, who's not yeah, one of your starters. Yeah. Um, and it really, I, I'm curious. I don't know what happened with Benjamin St. Just and why he didn't play. Um, yeah, that was a late thing that happened. Like, like, right, I, we, like I saw him walk out in sweats, and I was like, oh, I guess he's not playing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was no indication in the week that that was going to happen. Right. And so, you know, obviously that's that's an important caveat because, you know, if Danny Johnson, who, you know, he didn't really have a, a great day inside, didn't have a great day outside. You know, if, if that's Benjamin St. Juice, how different does that drive look as well? Because you're getting your one on one matchups. And that was something that I would say throughout the day, I think was a little frustrating was it seemed like Carolina could get some matchups in key times, you know, even, even with the backups, like late third or uh, yeah, it was late third quarter, that, that big play on second and 10 where they get their slot receiver matched up on David Mayo and they get like a big 20 something yard gain over the middle. And it's like, how's David Mayo stuck covering a slot receiver 20 yards down the field? Like that's, that that's not ideal, but also again, how if that's Jamin Davis or that's Cole Holcomb, that's a completely different matchup. So it's true. Um, it is the kind of thing where you know, especially in man to man situations or man match situations, I, I I didn't go back and you know didn't have the ability to go back again on tape and look at what the actual coverage was. But let's say it's Tampa two, and like all of a sudden you're stuck as a that middle linebacker running with running with the the inside guy, like who the man is matters. Yeah. And so, you know, if it's, if it's David Mayo, uh, who's great coming downhill as a run fit player and like is playing in big packages for a reason, uh, versus it's Cole Holcomb who runs a four, four or Jamin Davis who runs a four, four, like that matters. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's kind of a, a funky quirk of preseason that you look at some of the matchups and you're like, man, they're able to get the matchup they want. But then on the other hand, you don't know what to make of it because that guy hopefully isn't going to be playing for you come regular season time. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Mayo had a really nice game. And, you know, everyone kind of points to that play. And I don't know if the coverage was right for for that particular situation. It wasn't even Tampa 2. It was like, so they were in, uh, they got all their fast guys to the right side of the formation, you know, like their three starting receivers or to the right, or the starting receivers at that point, their tight ends to the left. They might have been in like four wide receivers. I don't remember exactly. But they basically run verts. Everyone runs verts. And there's a safety over the top 
of the speed side. And mm-hmm. David carries it, but he turns back to the ball. So it's not like he's carrying it like Tampa 2, which doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he should yeah. carry that. But he turns back to the football, and then the ball goes over his head. And then, again, Percy Butler makes a good break on the ball because he's got to kind of play in between. And maybe you want the safety to be a little bit more aggressive to that because that's the throw. But, uh, again, that's something you get when you get those young guys in there, right? You get Percy Butler, who might be a little bit late in anticipating. I don't think he's late from a physical standpoint. Like, I mean, he closes grass better than anybody on the team practically, right? But, again, like, he's not anticipating where the ball, where the matchup should go, right? He's not baiting the quarterback and saying, I know you're looking at this middle linebacker matchup here. Let me get there, right? So again, even though that's a David Mayo, everyone says, oh, David Mayo, he sucks, whatever. Like, I, that might be a Percy, I don't know for sure, but I would question whether that's a Percy Butler thing. Just, again, just being a tick late to the football. And, um, but again, like, you know, you're talking about guys in the backup group. I think David did a great job fitting runs, did a great job getting guys lined up, and he shows good depth at the position. Uh, and a guy that is going to be okay to start a couple games, you know, and um, he is who he is. We know what he's about. Um, but yeah, I think that's, to, to be fair to David, I don't know if that's entirely his fault. By the way, just to clean up on uh, St. Juiced, uh, Ron said after the game that uh, hamstring got tight. We just wanted to be smart. We're not going to put him out there and expose him. In the preseason, a guy we were counting on to come along and play for us, it right. tightened up after Thursday's practice. He came in Friday. It was sore, and then we went back and looked at his GPS numbers, and they were over 21. So that meant he was running, and he was running fast. Uh, so I guess he was he was up to speed, but they didn't want to take any risk. Um, so that's, that's why St. Jude's ultimately didn't play. But again, like to the larger point, the the guys that you are going to be relying on, if you stay healthy, I think overall they had like a pretty solid day. Um, you know, I, I think some of the other, including by the way, some of your deaf guys, like I thought Casey Tuhill um, had a, had yeah. some really big impactful plays uh, on Daniel Wise's sack. Uh, my, what did I say? My Cam Sims award yeah. uh, nominee. Uh, Daniel Wise on the sack that he has. Two Hill has a monster rush, and then Wise comes in and cleans it up. Wise popped in a couple of big spots. Sure. Um, overall, I, th- I think that there's plenty. Like obviously, you give up 24 points, it's going to be a mixed bag. Um, that's the nature of of how that works. Uh, although seven of them do come on a short field. Sure. Um, but but overall, you know, like how how do you grade out the defense or anybody else that you want to point out, good or bad? Um, for that side of the ball, yeah, I think the I, like I think you said the, uh, the 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 ones I think did a they were solid, you know, like C B minus C plus type range. I think the Danny Johnson thing was significant, you know, like he's had a nice camp, and I don't think he played badly, but I think like that's the mismatch, you know what I mean? He's your fifth corner, right? So you want to find a matchup and get take advantage of that, right? And I think. It might look different if Benjamin St. Justin there, but also playing nickel corner in the NFL is probably the hardest cover spot in the league, so you're going to get some tough looks there. Um, I think uh, Forrest did a good job. I think he showed up, especially as a run defender and attacking the line of scrimmage and being physical, taking on guards, making you know just being a sure tackler. I think there's some coverage limitations there that you want to keep an eye on, but there's a guy who wants to tackle and play physical football and I think you feel good about him on the on the field I think uh, Percy Butler is another guy that stuck out to me as a he did he did some excellent things from a coverage standpoint I think if he's going to play with the ones he needs to really figure out how he takes on blocks and and just being more physical in that area um he, he had a really nice fit on a run but with the tackle like terrible miss on a tackle so again like want to keep an eye on him because I think the, I think the 
the the ball of clay is there. It's just about whether he can figure some of this stuff out. Um, and then after that group, I think the two new guys they brought in, um, you know, from the uh, USFL did an excellent job. Uh, number 16 and I forget the other guy. Bosby was the other guy. Both those guys had a really nice day. Yeah, Bosby and then um, uh, what's his name? Yeah. I was like, who's that guy? Yeah. Steven Parker. Steven Parker. Both those guys did nice stuff. Uh, I was a little disappointed with uh, Milo and Harris. And so uh, just to kind of keep an eye on moving forward, I think the new guy that's just signed, uh, Gary, I think he might be yep. moving into that fifth linebacker. Road. Like, we'll see what happens, but that's something I would say coming out of the game. I don't think either one of those kids stepped up and said, like, I deserve to be the guy. And, like, when that when you're making this decision, you want someone to be like, I deserve to be the guy. I think Milo had a big hit. Um, which was good to see. Good to see he that did. physicality. But I think I'd like to just see them be a li- like they're great athletes. So I'd like to see them be a little bit more athletic as opposed to just kind of read and reacting. Yeah, and Gary's played some NFL football. Like he right. played for the Eagles. So right. like, this is a guy that's got the, some experience and some know how, and and can be helpful in that way. Especially again in a, in a fairly young room with with Holcomb and Davis uh, being at the head of it. Um, you know, I would love. Actually, I'm going to look this up right now uh, since I have the stats and everything in front of me. Um, but I'm curious. I, f- I feel like the third down defense uh, is something that it was left left something to be desired, and, yeah. and it's hard to freak out about that in the preseason, obviously. But Carolina does go 11 of 18 on third down. I- I'm curious, just real quick, as we wrap up, like what's what do you prescribe that to that, you know, they're over 50% on, on third down? You know, I don't know. I really don't know. I think, um, shoot, man, like that's, that, that is of the statistics of the things that happen in the game. I don't think you could fault anybody for a lack of physicality, a lack of mindset. There was some miscommunication stuff, but that happens in the preseason. I think that is a, that is a nerve-wracking or concerning statistic because it was so bad last year. It's kind of like the Antonio right. Gibson fumble thing, right? You'd like to see them making steps, you know, like and when you watch third down, like it's so funny. Like I didn't even notice that that was the conversion rate, right? And you mentioned how the defensive, the first group couldn't get off the field, the second group couldn't get off the field, right, for stretches. And um, yeah, man, I, I don't. I, there's no reason for it. I think maybe philosophy on third down, like I would expect this year Jack to be heating guys up a little bit more on third down, especially third and mid middle distance. And they didn't really do that today, but in camp they've been doing that. So I would expect that, you know, maybe they're like preseason. Let's just see what happens. But I, I would expect something, a variation like that to be incorporated on third down, especially in the second preseason game. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Reeves did have the one sack late on a on a safety blitz on a third down, so showed a little bit, but you don't want to show too much in the preseason right. either. So just again, something worth monitoring, but not something that's that's too worrisome. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. Let's wrap up like two three minutes real quick on Logan Paulson's performance. How'd you, how'd you feel like it went on the sidelines, man? I thought you crushed it. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I, I mean, uh, everything went really smooth outside, like, the first hit I had. Like, they give you an earpiece, and they say, oh, like, when they cue you, like, you're going to talk, and you're going to talk for 30 seconds. And then you got, like, a spotter there with you. And so she put her phone up, and it said 30 minutes. So I was like, that's not right. And so I had no <laughs> idea where I was in time. And my earpiece just cut off right when they threw it to me. So she had to cue me. So I'm just, like, talking. Outside of that, it was, um, it was I think it was fun. It was fun to get the interviews. It was fun to be on the sideline. Um, you know, just like a different, different vibe, you know what I mean? Than, uh, than I was expecting, but I had a really good time. So 
Yeah, I thought you crushed it. I, I thought the interviews were super fun. Uh, I thought the guys reacted well to you. And I loved the personal anecdotes, like the little you know, Charles <laughs> Leno and, and talking about his wife uh, and, and everything that happened with all the offensive line-wise, taking care of her. Um, Logan Thomas and, and his wife in the uh, the wedding uh, venue. Yeah, like, venue. That, yeah. That's good stuff. You did your homework, man. Yeah, I mean, you got to. Like, when the guy was like, you know, the personal thing, I was like, well, we got to find out some personal stuff here and see what we can figure out. I think the toughest, the, you know, surprisingly, the toughest interview was John, just because he's so polished. He just kind of yeah. says, oh, you know, like, he just kind of has, like, these template answers. So his personality never really comes out. Because I've talked around the building, he's, he's a fun guy, you know, but, like, when the camera's on, it's like, you know, I'm in Alabama and we're doing interviews, you know, and so that was the one that was, I was like, oh, like, you're just not going to give me anything here. So we're just going to keep asking questions for two minutes. So but right. other than that, everyone yeah. did a good job. He's so frustrating to interview because he never <laughs> breaks character. And that's, that's not really a criticism. Like, I, do I think he has to do it that way? No, I don't think there's any harm done by showing a little personality, but he is so frustrating to interview because he is, he just bats a thousand all the time. Yeah. He doesn't. There's no, like, I, you know, because again, I've talked to him around the building and he's, he's very charismatic and he's funny and all those kind of things. But then I, well, you start interviewing him and it just like, you know, it's like, I got to be more competitive. I got to be tougher. And I'm like, oh, like we're, we're not doing, this is like uh robot John or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. uh, he's, he's so polished. It doesn't, uh, nothing really came out of it. But other than that, everything was good, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was hoping that Logan Thomas would slip with you and, and give us a, a timeline. But he, he said he's ho- mm. he's hopeful for week one. He's hopeful for soon. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens with there. And of course, uh, Logan Paulson will be back on the sidelines next weekend. So uh, we're yeah. looking forward to that. And uh, of course, looking forward to the pod on Thursday. We will review the week of practice. We will look ahead to game two against the Chiefs. Uh, I guess you get to you get to travel out there. You got any barbecue plans? I do. I didn't, you know, I'm not a big like foodie. I eat like mm-hmm. just kind of for substance, like food is gasoline, but everyone keeps telling me I got to find some barbecue spots. So I guess that's I, uh, what I'm doing. Yeah. I won't give them free pub on the, on the pod, but uh, as soon as we're done talking, uh, I will give you a couple, a <laughs> uh, couple of choices. Uh, all Excellent. right. So we'll see you. We'll see you on Thursday. Uh, if you want more from Logan at Logan underscore Paulson 82, uh, I will be talking about this game for three more hours later today and each oh, and every God. day on the radio on the team. Now, 984 the hoffman show uh you can follow me on twitter at hoffman show as well that's it and that's all for this week's take command and we will see you on thursday here in your favorite podcast app